Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. It may be blistering hot where you are. I know it is here, but now's the time to plan that fall garden. The biggest mistake I see with most fall gardens is they just get planted too late. I did that many years in a row when I first started gardening. It just doesn't seem like a good idea to be planting cool season crops in the heat of the summer, and I would wait until like September to get them in the ground. But our first frost here is mid-October, so an early September planting only gives me about six weeks of growth on those frost-sensitive plants, and that's often not enough time to get a harvest or to really take advantage of the full harvest window of many of the plants that you can harvest in the fall. As counterintuitive as it sounds, you want to get those plants or seeds in the ground early enough for them to be actively growing as the weather starts to cool down. And to be mature well before your first frost date or your Persephone period so you can actually get them harvested. Today, we're going to touch a little bit on how to plan out your fall seed starting and your planting schedule and then talk about the plants and the varieties that typically are good for a fall harvest in most areas. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. First off, we're gaining a lot of new listeners each week, so welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new here, there are a lot of ways to connect with me and to connect with your fellow gardeners. Just Grow Something Podcast has an account on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest, and I'm working on a YouTube channel, so stand by for that. I am building a list of gardening articles over on JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com. That's also where you can sign up for the newsletter and check out merchandise and find out about garden consulting, both in person if you're local to me and virtual if you're not. And there is the private Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group that you can be a part of, too. Lots of questions posted over there, as well as fun gardening memes and such. So just answer a few questions, and we'll get you in over there, too. Now, if at any time you have any questions for me, you can message me through any one of those platforms, including the contact page on the website. And not only will I answer them, but I may share that question on an upcoming episode, usually anonymously, but I can use your name if you want. Oh, and you can also leave me a voice message at the link in the show notes, and I may use that on a future episode, too. All the links to all of these things will be in the show notes. And I also want to thank those of you who've left ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify here recently. Those of you who listen on Spotify, if you haven't left a five-star rating, if you could do that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Spotify doesn't display the ratings until a certain percentage of listeners has left one, so it's not currently displaying on the app. 
And if you're feeling especially generous, you could leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. I'll even read it here if you do. Thank you. Or in the words of Elvis, thank you very much. So this week's DRL, what am I doing, reading, and listening to? What I'm doing is a lot. It I mentioned it's insanely hot here, like heat indexes of 115 Fahrenheit last week. And this week is not getting any better and it's getting even worse towards the end of the week. Thankfully, we got a couple of little showers at the end of last week, but there doesn't seem to be anything in the forecast now for at least the next 10 days. So that's a total bummer. I'm working in the tomatoes a lot. There are around 400 plants in the one field that doesn't have irrigation. And then there are a couple hundred more up near the house that do have access to water if we need it. But all of the tomatoes are being inundated with tomato hornworms and now army worms. So Sunday morning, I went out with the spinosad for the first time to see if I can get those under control and then spent the rest of the morning trellising tomatoes until the heat just got to be too much for the plants. And then I went back out in the evening to spray the copper spray for the early blight and septoria leaf spot that Missouri tomatoes inevitably battle. Um, because we're going to be in a dry spell now, I likely won't need to spray the copper again for another two weeks or so, but I'll just have to keep an eye on the plants and watch the disease progression. So far, the product that I'm using is doing fabulously well, and uh, I will link to that in the show notes if you're interested. And while doing all of this and harvesting all of the other summer crops, I'm also starting and tending to the seedlings for the fall garden. So broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts are all up and growing in their trays in the greenhouse, and the leafy greens are following suit probably at the end of this week or maybe the beginning of next. And then I've got the seeds for direct sowing all standing by, and it'll be a matter of timing here in a few weeks for when they can all go in the ground. So what am I reading? Well, I've been trying desperately to start Tom Baker's book, Scratch Man, that was lent to me by my friend Jenny, but I just can't seem to find a stretch of time where I can sit down and dive into it. If you're familiar with the BBC show Doctor Who, uh, Tom Baker was the fourth doctor in the original series from the 60s and 70s, and he was my favorite doctor from that era, and I know he's a lot of people's favorite doctor. And this is a Doctor Who novel written by him that I'm very much looking forward to reading. I just can't seem to find the time. Go figure. And now you all know that I'm both a plant nerd and a sci-fi geek. And what am I listening to? I've been catching up on episodes of the Barnyard Language podcast, which is two farm gals, Katie and Arlene, talking all about running farms and raising families. They have guests on all the time, and I was actually a guest a while back talking about gardening with children. Um, I'll leave a link to that episode in the show notes if you want to give it a listen. Their podcast is also part of the Positively Farming Media podcast network like this one is, and it's a really fun listen. I will warn you, if you go give this one a listen, their episodes are marked explicit because there is some swearing, hence the title Barnyard Language. But it's a great podcast if you're listening maybe without the littles around. So on to the question of the week. This question was asked by a listener at the farm stand this past weekend, and I am so sorry for not catching your name while you were there. Saturday was super crazy at the market, and I completely failed to make a proper introduction, so please come back and talk to me again and introduce yourself. 
Now, the question that she asked was about her herb garden. She indicated that many of her herbs were looking scraggly or just not performing very well. The dill seems to be long and leggy and it's starting to flower without really bushing out at all. The oregano and the thyme are flowering and the basil is looking a little lackluster and sort of burnt at the edges. Now, this is the time of season that many of these herbs are going to want to put out flowers and go to seed, especially if you are in a really hot spell like we are. You have two options with these. Either cut them back and renovate them so that they give you a second flush of growth, or just let them go to seed and call it a season. This early in the year, I would totally cut them back like all the way and go for a second flush of growth. There's still plenty of time for those herbs to become lush and full again and give you plenty to harvest off later on the season. Don't be afraid to use those flowers from the oregano and the thyme. The flavor of the flowers is going to be a little bit more delicate than the leaves themselves, and they can be used both fresh and dried. In fact, I actually brought some flowering oregano to the market on Saturday. Now, the dill can be cut back right now, and you can leave those kind of ferny leaves and use those, or you can wait until they go to seed and then cut them back so you can use both the leaf and the seeds for pickling. In either case, you very well may get another flush of growth on those two, and it will likely bush out a little bit more the second time. But this really depends on the weather and your climate. You know, this person obviously lives in my climate, so these are the things that I would do. And I have no doubt in all but the coldest of climates, you can cut all of your herbs back and let them go ahead and experience that flush of growth. In my experience, herbs are happiest when they're being cut back fairly frequently. Otherwise, they do have a tendency to go to flower and get a little wild and crazy. But at this stage of the game, I think you're good to go to just cut them back and give them a second chance. Now, if you decide that you don't want to do that, you can go ahead and let them go to flower and let them go to seed. The flowers are great for pollinators. But if you still want those herbs, you can go ahead and start a second smaller pot, maybe, of those herbs. Go ahead and, and get another plant from the nursery and start over with a second plant. That way, you're letting one go and feed the pollinators, and then the second one, you can go ahead and actively harvest off of. And if it's in a smaller pot, you might even be able to bring that one in at the end of the season and put it in a sunny window and keep it going all through the winter. Okay, so let's dig into your fall gardening plans, shall we? First things first, let's talk about what the fall garden is. When I first started gardening, I guess I sort of just looked at the fall garden as an extension of the summer garden, just trying to maintain my summer plants as long as I could until that first frost hit, and then also maybe replanting some of the things from spring, all of those cool season crops. And as I got further and further into it, I realized that it's kind of a combination of both being the fall garden. You could actually, at this stage of the game, in most areas, go ahead and plant a second planting of a lot of what you're growing in your summer garden. But I don't really call that like the fall garden. I think that you would be harvesting those into the fall, but that's not really what I think of as the fall garden. For the fall garden, I think of things like the cool weather crops that you would be planting in the spring, repeating those for the fall and possibly extending that season so that you can continue to harvest them after your first frost. 
Now, what's important here is timing your fall planting. Just like when we're planting in the spring, there are three different things that you have to take into consideration when you're figuring out when you should be starting your seeds and when you should be transplanting and then when you should be actually putting your seeds directly into the ground. You want to think about the germination time, the days to maturity, and then your harvest window. So germination time. The days to germination sometimes are listed on the seed packets and sometimes they're not. A lot of the time there's something that you kind of have to look up. But the days to germination are going to differ a little bit depending on how you're starting them when you're starting them for the fall garden versus the spring. In most instances for the spring, we're starting them indoors. So it's a kind of a carefully controlled environment a little bit, but it's generally not quite as warm as if, say, you were to start them now and start them outside. So right now, my fall brassicas, I started those seeds outside in the greenhouse. Well, it routinely gets up to be 100 to some odd degrees in that greenhouse in the middle of the summertime in the middle of the day. So those suckers popped up like within a couple of days. I think it was two days before I started seeing most of those plants start popping up. And then by the end of the third day, almost all of them had germinated. That's a stark contrast for the, I want to say it was eight days at least for those to germinate in the spring when they were downstairs in my little seed germination area. So take that into consideration when you're timing, when you're going to start your seeds, um, if you're starting them indoors or if you're starting them outside. The next thing that you want to look at is days to maturity. So how long is it going to be from the time that those plants come up to the time that you're going to get a chance to harvest them? Remember, when you're looking on these seed packets, a lot of the time those days to maturity are from transplant. So it makes a difference. If you say if something says, well, it's 50 days to maturity, but it takes 7 to 10 days for it to germinate, and then you don't transplant it out for another 2 to 3 weeks, you have to take that into consideration to base your timing on that. And then you also want to take into consideration the harvest window. So something like green beans you're generally going to be harvesting over a two to three week period versus carrots where, well, you're either going to dig them all at once because they're all mature or you're going to dig the smaller ones first and then leave the rest of them in the ground for a little while. How long of a window do you have? Once you have all of these things sort of figured out, that's when you add all that up and you go and you look at your first frost date and then you start counting backwards from there. Once you figure out that date, that's going to tell you the date that you should be starting your seeds for your own transplants. And then obviously, if you're going to be buying transplants elsewhere, you can take off that germination time and the time that you're growing them before you put them in the ground and just base it on the days to maturity and the harvest window. This also, you would also take into consideration the days to maturity in the harvest window if you're planting directly from seed. So things like green beans or peas or beets and carrots, the things that you're planting directly into the soil, you're just wanting to figure out the germination time plus the days to maturity plus the harvest window. You don't have to worry about that couple of week period where you're growing those seedlings on before transplant. So really the timing is going to depend on what it is that you're growing, how you're starting it, if you are starting it, um, or whether or not you're going to be buying them from seedlings, and then whether or not you're planting them directly into the soil or starting them ahead of time.
Now, if you don't have a first frost, you still need to be timing these things because you're going to hit your Persephone period, that period where your daylight hours drop below 10 hours a day. Once you hit that part of the year, your plants pretty much stop growing. So if you, even if you're in a milder climate and you don't actually get a frost, you still have a deadline for when you want to get these things into the ground. Now, there are some things that you want to do to your beds before you consider planting for fall. Just like we go through in the spring and we sort of prepare all of our garden beds and get them ready for all our seeds and our seedlings, you want to do the same thing when you're transitioning from summer into fall. So really for me, um, I say that there are six things that you probably should be doing, right? The first thing is to clean up any leftover debris from any of your earlier crops. So, you know, any of your summer crops, or hopefully you've already cleared that out from your spring crops, but well, we'll be generous here. Um, just be sure to remove any dead or diseased vegetation from the soil surface. Um, this includes your spent crops, any leaves, any fruit that have dropped from summer plants. Keep in mind that any leftover debris from those previous plants um, that were there in the spring or the plants that are there now can actually harbor all kinds of diseases that may be passed on to your fall crops. They can also give shelter to garden pests that might want to eat your fall crops. Now, most fall crops don't suffer quite as badly from most of the plant diseases and pests that we have to deal with. So you sure don't want to give it any help in that area. You don't want to leave anything around that those diseases can latch onto and then jump into your plants. So make sure you're cleaning up any leftover debris from those earlier crops. The second thing that you want to do is pull those weeds. <laughs> I know this is like a continuous garden task, but it really is especially important to start with a weed-free bed when you are planting new seedlings. You, first of all, don't want the new seedlings to have to have, compete with those weeds. And then any weeds that have been there for a while very well may be trying to go to seed. And so you don't want to give them the opportunity to get a foothold and then settle in and come back up next year either. So not only will your fall garden thank you, but you'll be thanking yourself next summer with fewer overwintered weeds. The third thing that you want to do isn't going to apply to everybody, but you want to pull any cover crops. So if you're somebody who plants a cover crop, like a buckwheat in the summer to fill in the blank spaces that are left behind from your spring gardens, now is the time to terminate that crop and allow it to start to break down just a little bit. You're going to want to give your space about 10 days, maybe two weeks to allow that crop to sort of start to break down on the soil surface. And then that root system underneath there, some time to loosen up just a little bit so that you can go ahead and plant directly into it for your fall garden. Now, the fourth thing that you want to do is refresh your soil. If you've got a good layer of mulch, just pull that mulch back. Take a peek at the soil. If it seems like it's a little compacted, fluff it up a little bit. This is also a good time to do a soil test. Um, check to see if there's any you know, nutrients that are deficient, if your pH is okay. See if there's anything that you need to amend with or any, any feeding that you need to do. Um, and then go ahead and put your mulch back down again. Your mulch might need a refresh at this point too. It's been there all season. It may be a little flat. It may have washed away a little bit. So if you need to add a fresh layer, then now is the time to do that. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The next thing that you're going to want to do is get your frost protection ready. I know we're in July. It's scorching hot. We don't want to think about frost protection. But if you're in an area that gets frost, which is most of us here in North America, you do not want to get caught scrambling to protect those fall crops from any unexpected cold snaps. So make sure that you have all of your stuff pulled out and at the ready when you're getting ready to plant those fall gardens. And then one last thing that you could consider doing would be to build cold frames. A cold frame is just a simple structure that's low to the ground that has a clear covering and it protects your plants from really cold weather, but it also allows the light in and it allows it to really warm up when it's sunny outside, even if it's very, very cold. These can either be permanent cold frames or they can be temporary frames with just, you know, wooden boxes with windows. You can either fill them with soil and then plant directly into them, or you can just move pots into these cold frames if it starts to get too cold. These can give you some temporary protection when it starts to get really frosty outside and maybe your plants haven't quite gotten to maturity. And then if they're things that are maybe a little bit more cold tolerant, it can actually also extend your season by several weeks once you get really past your first frost in the fall. And you can actually continue growing some things actively inside those cold frames and then harvest from them over the winter. This is similar to what we talk about when we think about putting row covers out or making caterpillar tunnels out in the garden to cover things that you may want to harvest off of through the winter time. So cold frames, now's a good time if you have the time to be able to build those or maybe pick one up um, at the garden center or order one online and really sort of be able to protect tender plants for just a few weeks longer, especially when, you know, you get those weird cold snaps that suddenly come in and then all of a sudden the next week it's back up into the 70s and the 80s again. We, that happens to us here all the time in the fall. So it's a nice way to have some way to protect those frost-sensitive plants. So let's talk about the crops that do well in a fall garden. Most of these are your cooler weather plants. Basically, anything that you're able to grow in the early spring in your area, you can grow in the fall. In most climates, this means things like cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli and Brussels sprouts, kale, collards, mustard, spinach, lettuce, arugula, all the other leafy greens, and all the cool season root vegetables like carrots and beets, turnips, and radishes. So the good thing about leafy greens is that they can tolerate some shade. So these are a great option for planting in between and in the understory of your taller summer plants like your tomatoes and your peppers. So you can take advantage of the cooler shady spot underneath those plants while you're waiting for the summer heat to sort of pass. The other benefit to growing the leafy greens in the fall is that most of those garden pests from the summer have eased up a little bit. So you'll have less pressure and then the cooler temperatures start to mean less watering as well. 
Now, depending on your zone, you can also get away with growing peas for a fall harvest. I've tried this without much success in my own garden, and I think it's because I've just not gotten the timing down just right. Peas really do like cool weather the entire time they're growing, so I'm going to experiment with this again this year and see if I can get it right. But if you're in a cooler zone than I am, like zone 5 or cooler, you, know, you might have some better luck. Green beans are another thing that you can grow in the fall garden. They actually tend to do really well because they germinate very, very quickly in that really warm soil from the summer. But then as the days start to cool off, you will usually see some very, very lush growth. I already mentioned um, radishes. They're very quick. They're very easy. They're very prolific. And you can kind of pop them into the empty spaces in between where you might need a sort of a filler. Now, if you are in warmer climates, okay, so uh, we're here in zone six, things that do really well, like in zone seven and eight, and then up through nine and 10 in the winter time are kind of, not in the winter, in the fall, are kind of drastically different from what we can do here. You absolutely can do beans and beets and, and all of the brassicas and the carrots and that sort of thing, but you can also do like early maturing varieties of sweet corn and cucumbers, um, onions and peppers and squash. The things that we generally can only grow here in the middle of the summer, you can do some early maturing varieties in zones seven through 10, um, even maybe some, you know, some pumpkins and some, um, some melons as well. Again, you just have to pay attention to the Persephone period. So like if you're in zone 10, you can even get away with like eggplant and okra as your sort of fall garden. If you plant in August, um, those have the chance to get to maturity before your daylight hours drop down too low. So this really is all about paying attention to your Persephone period and figuring out when the good time is to go ahead and start planting those things. Like I said, those are those are only summer crops for those of us who are in zone six and cooler, but you guys have the opportunity to be able to plant those. And in fact, they will likely do much better for you as a fall crop than they would as a summer crop because oftentimes it really is just too hot. So speaking of fast maturing varieties, those things tend to work best for almost all of us in a fall garden. Shorter days to maturity means the chance to harvest before your frost or before your Persephone period. So crops that are more tolerant of both like the colder and the warmer weather, like green beans, there are varieties of those that can get to maturity in as little as 50 days. Fast maturing varieties are also a consideration if you live in a shorter season climate and have a very, very early first frost date. Even cool weather crops like beets are frost sensitive. So if you've only got about 60 to 70 days between now and your first fall frost, the variety of these things that mature in 50 to 55 days are going to be the ones that work best for you. But don't forget the speed at which they're going to grow 
is going to slow down as the daylight hours shorten. So you don't want to push the boundary too much on how quickly these things mature. So if you're counting starting now and going, uh-oh, you know, my, my first frost is 65 days from now, then start picking up those varieties that will mature in about 50 days. And there are tons of them. Um, in all different crop families. So don't think that you can't have a fall garden if you are in like zone three and colder. You absolutely can. It's just you have to get a move on <laughs> and start getting those things prepared and getting them in the ground now and and choosing those shorter, those shorter um, days to maturity, those varieties. And then really quickly, let's talk about the difference between frost-hardy and frost-sensitive crops because this is also going to make a difference when you're planting. Things that die off as soon as you get to about, you know, 35 to 38 degrees Fahrenheit are considered frost sensitive. So these are the things like green beans, um, snap peas, if you decide to try those. Um, the tops on radishes can oftentimes, and beets, will also um, die in a frost um, it doesn't mean that they're going to damage the root, but it does mean that you would likely have to harvest fairly quickly after you see your first frost with those things. Um, some of the brassicas, if it gets too frosty, can also be damaged. So these are the things that you want to make sure that you're planting first so they can get to maturity. Lettuces also. Lettuces, especially the, the loose leaf lettuces, don't do very well unless they have some sort of frost protection. They can tolerate it if they've got that protection, but only a couple of times before they finally just give up the ghost and say that, that it's done. Now, the good news is that a lot of these things are not frost sensitive. They are frost hardy. And frost hardy means that they will survive a frost and often with protection can last throughout the winter, depending on your climate. So things like kale and spinach, if you have them out in your garden and then you cover them with some frost cloth, if you've gotten them to maturity before you hit that Persephone period, you can actually harvest off of those things for most of the winter in the slightly warmer zones. And I mean, I, when I say slightly warmer, you're talking probably zone five and warmer. If you're in zone four or colder, you likely can do these, but you're also going to need to have a sort of second layer of protection. So that's where I talked about those caterpillar tunnels before. They are low tunnels that are covered with plastic, like a mini little greenhouse. And then you can cover with frost cloth directly underneath that. So you sort of have this double whammy of protection and those things will keep going all winter long. You can go in there and you can harvest off of them. I've seen people do this with cabbage and make sure that they're protected once they get to full maturity and be able to go out there and harvest throughout the winter. It's almost like using your garden as cold storage um, because again, they're not actively growing at that point, but you get them to maturity, you let them stay out there. And I mean, it's mother nature's refrigerator, right? It's nice and chilly out there. They're going to stay, they're going to hold until you are ready to go ahead and harvest them. So I hope that gave you just a little bit of insight into 
what you can be doing to prepare for your fall garden and how quickly you actually need to be getting a move on in order to be able to get your fall garden in. It, it really is a little deceiving that we are having 90 plus degree days and should be thinking about getting our fall garden seedlings going, but that's absolutely the case. And in some areas, you, you really need to be actually looking at transplants at this point instead of starting from seed. So if you found value in today's episode, I'd sure appreciate it if you would share it with someone who you think would also find some value in learning about their fall garden. And if you could rate and review this show in your podcast player of choice, I would absolutely appreciate that too. This show is a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. I'll leave a link in the show notes to the Spotify playlist that features other members of the network and their fantastic podcasts. So until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time or seen my posts on Instagram, you know my husband and I are both former military and that we have a serious coffee habit. We also like to support other veteran-owned businesses, so Black Rifle Coffee is our coffee of choice. Not only do they have great coffee and merch, but they give back to military and first responders with every purchase. If you'd like to support this podcast and another veteran-owned business while also supporting your own coffee habit, head to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Give them a try with no commitment you can cancel at any time. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription.